Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai, and I am, as always, very happy to be here with you guys again this week. Boy, since I've been doing these every other week releases, it feels like there's just so much time that goes by in between these. Um, It feels like forever since I've been on here. But hey, um, I wanted to uh, quickly go over a couple of things and then get right into my interview um, for this week. I've got a great guest that I want to share with you all, especially anyone who is local. You are going to love uh, the what she does in the bakery here that is local in Cincinnati area. But for those of you um, who aren't local, this is still an incredible story. Um, I think it's a great story of how, you know, someone took a diagnosis and turned it around and, uh, you know, said, hey, this isn't going to slow me down or stop me. And I'm going to figure out how to do this. And and really, I would argue that it led her to a much healthier, um, you know, way of life, a much healthier way of eating anyway, um, obviously for her, but for many of us just being able to understand the importance of cutting the sugar and carbohydrates out of our diet as much as possible, really getting those down. So um, before we get into that, though, I did want to say, wow, this weekend was amazing. It was the second annual Keto at the Cabin, so it was super awesome. For everyone that was there, you know that that is true. It was really great. We had um, the Vegas, so Danny and Mara Vega were there from Fat Fueled Family, that they were incredible as always with some really great information. And we had Stephanie um, Holbrook from Keto Endurance was there, Um, Trent and his wife Mandy Holbert um, from Fit for the Kingdom was present. Awesome information from all of those guys as well. And then we also had Robert and Crystal Sykes um, from Keto Savage, um, Team Savage. So they gave some really great information. Um, always love spending time with them. Just really great people in general. And they were back for the second year. They were also um, part of our speaker group and uh, experts at last year's Keto at the Cabin. So they enjoyed it so much they had to come back and brought all their friends with them. And then um, we also had, last but not least, Jessica and her husband, Mike Reynolds um, from Keto Evangelist Coaching. And Jessica does a lot of work in the realm of disordered eating and and helping people with eating disorders and just disordered eating in general. She is an amazing um, wealth of knowledge, just an awesome human being. And listening to her speak is always so amazing to me. So um, I did record most of everyone's talks that they gave at the cabin. So I'm going to look at potentially putting those out into maybe one, maybe several podcasts. We'll see how that goes. They each had about an hour um, talk, but I'm not real sure how the audio turned out yet and how all that's going to go together. So we may or may not have some of those coming up in the future. Those are all really awesome talks. I think you'll enjoy that. And then, um, 
Let's see, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? So, well, anyway, I just wanted to say it was a great weekend. It was wonderful. So if you guys were interested in coming this year but didn't get to, um, we kind of did plan this one at last minute. We did end up selling out the event anyway, so that was great. But, um, but we did plan this one kind of last minute really due to a lot of the issues that we had been having this past year with my daughter. So we had held off on planning that, just not sure if we were going to be able to do it or not and ended up um, doing it after all. So um, next year, you know, keep an eye out for next year. I, I will try to plan that um, much more in advance so that you all can plan to be out here. We have a lot of ideas. Um, again, this was our second one. So um, for next year, we've got so many different ideas. Uh, we're thinking of maybe making it more of like a three to four day long event um, because so much was packed into one day. Last year, we did an entire weekend and there was so much packed into that weekend. Um, but we're thinking about maybe maybe spreading it out over um, like a, a you know a, a weekdays um, like a Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday and actually um, doing them in the evenings or afternoon through evenings and then um, you know having different topics for each day that type of thing um, so I don't know we'll see how that goes but uh, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun too and, and i guess it depends on what time of year we do it and and how all that works out i know sometimes it can be hard doing it um, during the school year if you've got kids um, things like that but we're just gonna have to see how it goes. The event, we keep it very small. I mean, it really is a, a VIP type experience. Um, you know, our guests are just hanging out with us as speakers and, and experts in health and nutrition. So you really are getting a lot of like one-on-one -on -one attention. And, um, you know, we're having all our meals together and it's just a really cool kind of intimate event. And I really wanna keep it like that. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that and still be able to include more people somehow. So I thought if we spread it out over several days and did several different um, topics that maybe um, if you weren't able to come for the whole thing, maybe some, you know, people could come for just one or two of the days or a few of them. And then that way we'll sell tickets per day. Um, so then maybe more people could actually enjoy um, being able to come. And uh, if we kind of spread it out that way. So that's a thought. We're working on that. So just keep your eyes and ears open. Of course, I will announce that on my podcast and on my website. So make sure you keep up with uh, www.jessicatai.com and you can find out more information there. Um, let's see. I think that's all that I had for that. I did want to address really quickly kind of the hysteria going on around the country and the world today um, in regards to the coronavirus and, and just kind of all the people, you know, the fear and the kind of just everybody's really unsure what to do. And um, so I did just want to address a few things that you all could be doing to really help boost your immunity and to help you be able and your family to be able to combat not only the coronavirus, but any virus, um, any cold or flu virus that's out there, um, anything like that. And to really just kind of help protect yourselves and set yourself up for success and staying well this time of year. Um, I did just do a YouTube video that should be out today 
that um, will be available on my channel, um, How to Protect Yourself from the Coronavirus. Um, so I did just put that out, but just real quickly, um, so you can watch that to get more details, but uh, I do want to just touch on hand sanitizers and letting you all know that using hand sanitizers that are made with chemicals, um, these chemical agents, um, and and alcohol is really not a good thing to be doing. You should not be using antibacterial soaps either. Um, what those do is they actually destroy, you have a microbiome on your hands, on your skin, much like you have in your gut. And um, they, when you use those hand sanitizers or those antibacterial soaps, you're actually destroying that microbiome that's on your hands. And that is your body's first line of defense to stopping these invaders from coming in. So um, it's really important to keep the good guys intact on your hands and, and your skin. You really want to keep those in place. So I definitely suggest making what we call a sanitizer in my family, um, which we use aloe vera gel. We use colloidal silver. So we put some colloidal silver in the aloe vera gel, and then we use essential oils. So my favorites to use are like lavender and eucalyptus, some peppermint. Um, but you can also use, if you just want to make it easy, uh, I am not a rep for doTERRA, but I do love doTERRA's um, oils because I, I do trust their sourcing. Um, and you can use uh, the doTERRA um, Purify or On Guard. Um, both of those are blends and they have really great immune boosting um, and uh, germ killing properties to them. So those are two really good ones. So you would just put several drops of that in your mixture. And then we just put those in little to-go squeeze bottles. And my kids keep those in their backpacks. And instead of using the sanitizers at school, they use those. And then I keep them in the cars. I keep them in my purse. Um, so we're always putting that stuff on to help boost our immunity. So that tip, along with many others, are in the YouTube video. So if you go over to my YouTube channel, um, you will be able to watch that. And the uh, YouTube channel is, I think it's, it's Keto Lifestyle with Jessica Tai, NTP. That is my YouTube channel. So if you look up Keto Lifestyle with Jessica Tai, you'll find that. And you can subscribe to that. And then um, you can look below and there's a link for how you can get everything that I talk about in that video or any of the videos on that channel. Okay, I think that's it. So without further ado, I wanna get into my interview with Jessica. So Jessica is a local bakery owner here in Cincinnati. She owns, she started and owns Beyond Grain Bakery. Now they don't have a brick and mortar location where you can go and get the goodies, but she does make the goodies and they are available through the Market Wagon app. So you can download an app on your phone called Market Wagon. And not only can you get Jessica's goodies through that app, but you can get all kinds of goodies um, through local farmers and um, you know all kinds of different things, eggs and milk and meats and cheeses and, and all kinds of really awesome stuff, veggies and things like that. So if you're looking for a way to get those types of foods and you either don't have time to shop for them or you find them to be very expensive in the stores, then this is a really great way to be able to get pasture-raised, um, grass-fed animals that um, are going to have a really good, they're going to be a really good source of the nutrients that you need. And this is also another way to help build your immunity, guys. Like we need certain nutrients. And if we're buying the right foods and eating the right foods, we're going to have those nutrients in those foods. And that's really going to help as well with our immune system and just our overall well-being. So we're able to really combat these 
things that are that are you know every couple of years we have some new pandemic you know some new virus that um, that the media is talking about and, and everybody's kind of panicking about whether that's H1N1 or we've got the swine flu the bird flu the you know SARS like all of these things um, now the coronavirus um, so there's always something out there but it's really important to have this lifestyle where you're staying um, in this kind of healthy holistic state as much as possible and practicing these wellness practices all year round and so then when something like this comes up you're not worried you're not scared because you know that you are putting in the work every day to be as healthy as you can and keep your family as healthy as you can um, so this is a really great way to be able to do that is to buy things um, uh, that are going to nourish your body the good foods and market wagon makes that really convenient so uh, market wagon will deliver to many local places around town that you can go pick up your order for free or I believe it's for $5, they will actually deliver your order directly to your front door. So it is a really awesome thing. I'm no, in no way affiliated with them other than I use them. I use their services. Um, so anyway, download the app on your phone, Market Wagon, and you can see all of the different vendors that are available on there. I live in the Loveland area, so I get mine, I pick mine up at the Big B Coffee um, up on the, um, by the Mio's in, um, I forget what the name of the road is up there, but it's across from the Kroger on Branch Hill Guinea Pike. So that's where I pick mine up. So it's a very convenient place. So anyway, um, and then Jessica also delivers her baked goods to other, uh, other coffee shops and things around town, kind of all over town. So you can go to her website, beyondgrainbakery.com, and you can find out more about where she delivers those goodies and what day they're delivered to. So you can go try some of these things for yourself. She makes such an amazing variety. So without further ado, let's introduce Jessica to the podcast. Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, Jessica Stern Enzi. She is the owner and baker uh, at Beyond Grain Bakery here in Cincinnati, Ohio. How are you, Jessica? I'm good. Yeah, thanks. It's weird to um, say, how are you, Jessica, to somebody else. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so um, I'm really happy to have you on here, and I appreciate that your willingness to come on. Okay, um, sure. I discovered your delicious bakery treats at a local... Um, little shop in Milford actually and um, back in November of this past year and my family has been thoroughly enjoying your baked goodies since then but I before we kind of get into that um, I really wanted to just see if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of um, you know what brought you to even be even starting this bakery like yeah especially a keto bakery. That's a, that's a very different thing to do. Right. Right. So my background is pretty wild. <laughs> I, um, I'm from New York city. Originally I moved here to go to CCM, which is the conservatory of music here in Cincinnati. So my, my undergraduate degree is in, in music. Um, but I've always been a passionate home baker and home cook. I come from a family of cooks and bakers and, you know, every vacation, every trip, every day revolved around what we were eating. <laughs> it's just, we're just a family of foodies and we wake up in the morning and say, what are we doing for dinner? It's just kind of how we are. Um, yes. And cooking has always been therapeutic for me. It's always been my safe space. It's always been where I go after a stressful day. Um, and, you know, to make a long story short, I'm, uh, I'm, 
had many careers <laughs> um, prior to what I do now, which is full-time, I'm a speech language pathologist for Cincinnati Public Schools. Um, in 2018, Zoom Forward, um, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with late onset type one diabetes, just kind of out of nowhere asymptomatic. I went for routine um, blood work and they discovered that I was diabetic. And wow. um, my sister is a physician and she really pushed for um, special blood tests to determine what kind of diabetes because we just weren't convinced I had type two. I was extremely healthy. I wasn't overweight. We didn't have it in our family. So I was tested for um, the antibodies and Lo and behold, I was type one, which is kind of becoming, I don't know if it's more common, but they're discovering that um, up to 10% of people with type two are actually undiagnosed type ones. Wow. So, especially when you get it in adulthood, because it's people think of yeah. type being juvenile. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, um, up until that point, I had been, you know, I love my job. I love what I do, but I just didn't have the passion for it that I do have for being in the kitchen. And for years I was, um, you know, just every summer I have off because I work for the schools and I would say, gosh, I have these, this time off. I really want to be doing something with food, but I couldn't figure out what it was or what to do or how to go about starting it. Um, mm -hmm. So this diagnosis really was the impetus for starting the bakery because it forced me to sort of focus, you know, on okay, I, I have, I'm this foodie who loves pizza and bread and sweets. What the heck am I going to do? <laughs> like, right. so I just started researching. This was in April. Um, started researching, spent like two months after work every day, just in the kitchen, you know, learning about low carb baking, learning about how to control my own disease, but then also how to still eat foods that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I have a background in food, it wasn't as, you know, difficult to make the transition because mm -hmm. I, I, I knew how to bake. I just had to figure out how to bake in a different way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so for two months, I once I kind of got the hang of it, I started developing recipes. I started posting pictures on my personal Facebook page. More and more people were saying, you need to start a cookbook. You need to start a blog. You need to do this. And it was just like, light bulb moment. Like this is, this is what I'm going to do. I've been, I've been waiting to figure out what I want to do with food. This is, you know, not only going to benefit me personally, because now I can eat in a safe way, but it can benefit other diabetics. It can benefit people who are, you know, on the keto diet. It can benefit people who are just trying to, you know, enjoy desserts in a healthier way. So again, I, I took like two or three months to really sort of like figure it out. And then by July, I was diagnosed in April, and by July, the bakery was up and running. So wow. it was quick. Yeah, it was quick. Oh my goodness, that's light speed, girl. <laughs> and we joke about it because my husband's a business. He has a business degree, and he's all about like planning and organizing, and you know, taking time. And oh I'm, man, I'm married to I'm impulsive. <laughs> we so have a spreadsheet yeah. for everything, and he'll be like, "Do you?" Look, come here. I want you to look at the spreadsheet. And I'm like, no, I no, I hate it. I just wanted to do it. I didn't want to like plan. I didn't want to do the business stuff. I just wanted to bake and bake for people. So I kind of started before I probably was ready, but it's, it's all been good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, cause I think it's, it's man. So yeah. Cause like a lot of people, when I'm working with people that I'm coaching through, like um, you know, first and foremost, I'm a nutritional therapist. So I'm, I'm based in nutritional therapy, but because of 
who I am um, and what my podcast is, a lot of people do come to me for keto specifically. And yeah. um, so we work a lot with that. But when I'm working with people in the ketogenic diet and, and just getting them to make that transition can often be really super hard and it can take a really long time for them to get the hang of it. But you didn't have that luxury. You no. were like, it was like overnight. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's it. It's done. So you just accelerated, but I love that you said, you know what, I'm not going to, this isn't some kind of like death sentence. This is, I'm going to re I'm going to reinvent what I need to do to be. Yeah. It took me a couple of weeks. I mean, for the first week I thought, is this a death sentence? <laughs> you know, and I, I guess I, by death sentence, I mean like death of sweet sentence. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I mean, yeah. And it took me, yeah. it didn't take long. I mean, honestly, I, I hear people now who are diabetics thinking, you know, saying that they, it took years for them to figure out that they could they could make this transition and still enjoy the things they love just in a different way. And I'm fortunate and I feel lucky because I, I'm really big into research and I, within like a week or two, I sort of like figured it out. Um, and you know, doctors will tell you, Oh sure. You can still eat sweet. Sometimes you can eat carbs. And I mean, you can, but you're going to face a roller coaster battle with your blood sugars and you're going to be taking lots of insulin. And I really wanted to manage my disease you know, very tightly. And this has just been, I mean, because of the way I eat and because of this lifestyle, I require very little insulin. And I hope that that'll continue for, you know, it could, it could last for a really long time because of how I eat. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and insulin is such a, that is such a, um, such a specific hormone to try to manage. Like, I don't think people understand when you're a type one diabetic, how um, it's not like you just eat something and there's like a set amount of insulin that you take. Like I right. think people don't understand how um, nuanced it really is and the, how our bodies, they're so amazing at how like no matter all the crap we put into them, you know, they, how we can produce insulin and it's what we need to bring everything back down and we, all, the, all the checks and balances. And then when you have to take that on manually, yeah. It's, it's not like, I mean, it's not like, okay, if you eat this piece of bread, you're going to have this many units of insulin. Right. Like, I don't think people understand. And it's unpredictable. Some days, you know, I'll eat the same things that I ate the day before and I'll have completely different blood sugars. Right. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's a full-time yeah. job to manage it, but yeah. it, eating this way makes it a lot easier. A, I think it's a, that is also a great point. I think for people listening, I'm always preaching about um, your environment and your sleep and your stress levels and all of this stuff plays into, into account as it does as, as a type one diabetic will see, like you're saying, you could eat something, eat the same exact thing every single day. And the amount of insulin you're going to require is going to be different. It's right. going to depend on your environment. It's going to depend on so many different things, yep. not just mm -hmm. what you're putting in your mouth. Right. So can you, um, can you help uh, people that are listening to understand the difference between when you're talking about type one diabetic, which you are versus a type two diabetic, just sure. a little bit of the, cause I, I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page and they kind of understand. Um, right. And I'm not a physician and I'm not an expert, but <laughs> from, from what I know and understand type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So the pancreas and the cells um, that create insulin are attacked um, just like other organs are attacked and other autoimmune diseases, which I also have Hashimoto's. So my thyroid are attacked too. <laughs> um, so, so, and that leads to another, I've also kind of transitioned to doing a lot of paleo stuff too, because I myself am very, very low dairy. Mm -hmm. um, 
but type one is um, your body just stops producing insulin. The beta cells that produce insulin are killed off and um, it can be a slow kill off or it can be a fast kill off depending on when you're diagnosed, how you eat, um, just how your body responds. Um, so for me, I, was, I caught it early, so I still had some functioning cells left. And because I made the transition to low carb eating so quickly, I've been able to preserve um, some cell function. They're slowly dying off. I, we check at blood tests, um, which you know we knew was going to happen, but I'm able to prolong that because mm -hmm. of um, because I've taken a little bit of insulin from the get go, and because of how I eat. So you're um, slowing that. Disease. I'm slowing the process slowing down because I'm putting less um, you know pressure on my pancreas. Mm -hmm. I'm making it work mm -hmm. less. Um, by eating low carb right. and by taking very small doses of insulin to help it along. So, um, so it's been almost two years and, you know, I'm, I'm more out of the honeymoon phase, I guess, than I was initially because I am requiring some mealtime insulin, but not always and not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so, so type one diabetics always need insulin. They're going to, no matter what, you're going to need outside insulin because your body won't produce it anymore. Type two diabetics and also type one diabetics can also have some insulin resistance like type twos. But unlike type ones, type twos don't always need insulin. Their body produces insulin. They just don't, it, their body doesn't know what to do with their insulin. So they become resistant to it. Um, both I think can have a genetic component. Um, Type two, and I don't know if it's stereotype or not, but is typically associated more with diet and um, lack of exercise and genetics. Type one, in my case, there's no autoimmune disease in my family. It was just sort of a random mm -hmm. lucky thing for me. <laughs> but, um, but so that's the basic difference is insulin resistance is type two, lack of insulin is type one, and it's autoimmune. Yep. That's, I would say that, that that is a very good explanation. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so type with type two, generally your cell receptor sites are no longer, um, they're just no longer responding to the insulin that you are producing. And most type two diabetics are actually overproducing insulin. And that's mm -hmm. why we see, a, why we, we kind of, um, and this is not always the case, but this is why we often associate being overweight with being a type two diabetic because you're just insulin is your fat storage hormone. So you're constantly producing it and you're just constantly storing because you're not able to actually use the insulin isn't able to actually usher the energy into the cells like it's supposed to be able to do. So, um, and yeah, that is the more, what we used to call, um, like that would, um, used to be called adult onset diabetes type two. Yeah. And unfortunately it's not even called that anymore because so many children are ending up with type two diabetes. So, yeah. um, that's very unfortunate, but I love what you're, what you have done, um, not just for yourself, but for so many people out there, because when you have someone like yourself that is coming up with these solutions to the standard, you know, going to the, a standard bakery and getting these sweets and treats that everybody loves. I mean, whether you're low carb or not, or keto or not, no one can deny you love to eat these things. I mean, it's, we're, we're genetically engineered to love sweets. Right. Um, so to have an option that is not going to damage your body or create a diabetic situation in yourself, whether you are now or not, being able to um, have something I think is fantastic. It's phenomenal. Like we have, so um, we have been enjoying your treats and it's something that my daughter, my youngest daughter um, has a, a lot of health 
issues and struggles, challenges. So we have to keep her um, ketogenic. One of her um, challenges that she has is she is epileptic because she's diagnosed epileptic. So um, we keep her ketogenic for that reason to help to um, uh, manage the epilepsy. Um, but so this is really nice for her because then she gets this fresh yeah. baked, you know, treats that you provide. We're typically on the pickup list every Thursday. <laughs> yes, I always see your name. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great because we get to enjoy those and she gets to enjoy those. Yeah, and it makes her feel like t- a typical kid, you it know? Does. Yeah. Like your um, Valentine's cupcakes that you did. That was yeah. so and actually, um, I have not posted this picture yet, but we went, um, was it last Sunday? I'm losing track of the days now or the Sunday before, whatever the Thursday after I picked those up, maybe that was last Sunday. Um, we went, um, my, one of my daughters was also her birthday. One of my other daughters and her, excuse me, her request was to go to Dunkin' Donuts. She wanted a donut for her birthday. So we said, okay, that's fine. We'll take you and get you a birthday donut. So we went and had that, but of course my other daughter, you know, she's not going to eat the donut. And right. one of my other um, sons, he won't eat donuts or anything like that either. One of my other ones is, has to be gluten-free. So we're, you know, we have this varying different degrees of, of dietary requirements, but, and then my mm-hmm. husband and I won't eat it. So we took the, your box of cupcakes and my one daughter had her donut and the rest of us are eating your chocolate cupcakes. I love it. Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts, but it was, but we all got to enjoy our little treat and not, right. no one felt like we were missing out on anything. Right. It was so good. And right. my husband, I was telling you before we started the call, my husband says, I don't know what she puts in this, but I don't even <laughs> want to know because I cannot believe this. Is- no. <laughs> it's nothing bad, I promise. <laughs> They're yeah. just so good. So you and honestly, like I, you know, I've said this before on my social media, but there's a lot of keto bakeries popping up now, which is fantastic. But I think there's also, you know, there's no regulation. And so yeah. my husband went um, to Toronto back in the fall and there's a beautiful bakery there. I see their pictures all the time and their stuff is just gorgeous. And they, they do some keto, keto stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I asked him to pick me some stuff up and bring it back. And I made the mistake of not asking for an ingredients list, which now I always do mm-hmm. because they said it was keto and it, it might have been keto, meaning that it might have fit the macros. Right. But if you don't look as a diabetic, you have to know what the ingredients are because sometimes there's an ingredient in there that might still but it's a sugar spiker right. or it's a starch or it's something that'll just trigger your blood sugar. Right. And so he brought something back. And as I was eating it, I thought, hmm, this, just, this tastes different than my stuff. I, but I kept eating it and my blood sugar just spiked. Oh, yeah. so, so you just have to be careful. I just, you know, tell everybody like, if you're just doing keto to try and be healthier, it's, you know, it's, that's fine. But if you're diabetic or if you have health issues, you should always ask for ingredients lists because there's, yes. again, there's no regulation and anybody can say they're making keto treats without really totally. knowing the ingredients they're putting in there. So Yeah. Well, and even some ingredients, I think, I think people will say it's keto, quote unquote, if they just have left sugar out right. or they don't put right. wheat or they're like, well, the net carbs are a certain amount. So, right. and that, that's very misleading. Yeah. There's also a candy company. I won't, I won't call them out, um, but there is a company that creates a candy. They make gummy bears and 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 little things, or whatever, and they claim to be keto um, treats. And I have eaten that and then tested my blood sugar, 
and my blood sugar goes through the roof. Wonder what it was. So I'm not sure what yeah. it is that they put in there, but, right. um, but I think it's, I think it, and I, I have other people in the industry that I've talked to about it and they're like, does the same thing to me. So yeah. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think that, um, I think that's a really good point is that people need to be cautious and like pay attention mm -hmm. to where they're getting these treats and, and how, how they are affecting them. And I, normally when I'm working with someone anyway, that's, that's trying to change their eating habits and, um, trying to kind of get. I, I really like people to get educated about how, what food does to their bodies. So instead of just saying, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. I really like people to test their blood sugar because I want them to see like what something does to their blood sugar. Cause I think right. that is so eye opening. Mm -hmm. um, people will be like, oh yeah, you know, I eat this all the time, whatever it is. And then they eat that and test their blood sugar. And they're like, oh my gosh, uh -oh. like it went through the roof. Like, and then you know, two hours later, I just wanted to lay on the floor. I was so right. exhausted. I couldn't, and they're right. not understanding that. The connection. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a good thing to know anyway. So yeah. So um, any, anybody who's eating these treats, it wouldn't be a bad idea to go test your blood sugar and see how it's working right. with you. And just on a side note, yours have never spiked mine. <laughs> I don't. I eat them too. So, and I have a glucose monitor, so I always check. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. That's amazing. So, um, so you're doing this, which I think this is amazing part of this. You're doing this on the side. I mean, this is not even your full-time job. Right. So and I get asked all the time, like when I'm going to quit. Yes, my day job. I was going to say, do you, you have know, any aspirations? You no, know, I mean, I've been off. I had a few offers for um, a brick and mortar space. I've had people approach me and ask if I'm interested in setting up a space. Um, I'm just, you know, I love doing it and I'm passionate about doing it. Um, but A, I'm worried that if it became my sole source of income and my full time job, the passion would dissipate right? <laughs> because right. it becomes, you know, something that you're doing day in and day out and to own a bakery and to own a business is just is so much work. It's so much work. And I want this to be enjoyable and I want to keep my passion. I want to still be creative. Sometimes I, um, you know, when I'm super busy between work and, and the bakery and everything else, and I feel like I'm just kind of becoming rote and I'm going through the motions and I'm churning out the same stuff mm -hmm. all the time. I have to stop myself and say, well, this isn't why I started this. This isn't the part of, this isn't what I love to do. Mm -hmm. um, the part of the process that's most enjoyable for me is the recipe testing and coming up with, you know, new ideas and taking foods that I love and figuring out how to, you know, make them keto or paleo or whatever. I love um, doing that too. That is, yeah, so that's my favorite part is just the, the process of baking and recipe testing and, and recipe developing. Mm -hmm. um, and what I didn't want to do when I started the bakery, and I was very, very clear in my head about this, was just become a keto bakery. Mm -hmm. Like, just make treats because they're keto. Right. I wanted a bakery that was, you know, the desserts were pretty to look at, and they were interesting, and they had cool flavor combinations. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a foodie, and I love really well thought out and quality baked goods. So I didn't want to just make sugar cookies. Right. And call it day. Like, I wanted to take you know, recipes and, and, you know, my biggest source of inspiration isn't looking at other keto recipes. It's looking at bakers, like traditional bakers yeah. and saying, Oh my gosh, how can I, how can I develop so that recipe? To that totally comes so. across in your desserts. Can you tell the oh, listeners a little bit, <laughs> talk about some of the things that you offer because they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just try and, and bake seasonally. So I try and use ingredients that are available depending on the season. So in the summer, of course, it's a lot of berries and um, you know, the one thing that 
I haven't figured out how to do really, really well is pastries. Obviously, you need gluten to make croissants and <laughs> stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to do anything like that. But, you know, making the empanadas and the hand pies and figure, figuring out how to make a good pie dough has been mm. a lot of fun. Um, you know, just coming up with interesting flavor combinations like blueberry hibiscus or, you know, incorporating herbs into baking sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't go over as well with the public. I, I noticed that a lot of times the more traditional stuff is the most popular, which I totally get. People like want a really your good chocolate cookie. chip cookies. They yeah, are, like <laughs> they are probably one of my favorite chocolate chip cookies I've ever had in my life. I don't care low carb, no carb, high carb, whatever. They are amazing. Thank you. And and I get people just want, you know, especially when you're not able to eat those comfort foods anymore, you want to be able to eat that. So I get that. But for me personally, I enjoy doing the stuff that's a little bit more challenging and a little bit more, you know, creative. Um, so right. yeah, but back to your original question. <laughs> so yeah, no, I don't, I don't see myself opening up a brick and mortar anytime super soon. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, my daytime job is, um, it's meaningful work and I get summers off, um, and I enjoy it. And I, in order to, you know, live the lifestyle I live doing what I do as a bakery owner, I'd have to work five times as hard oh, to be yeah. honest. And I'm not trying to be able to enjoy life as much. Yeah. So it's a balance. You would have to hire a whole staff of people. I would. Yeah. But then you would have to train and just hope and and honestly, it would never be the same as if you were making it. Right. And yeah. it's a risk. It's a big risk. Mm -hmm. And right now it's not a risk. I can do it because I enjoy doing it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I that's I you know, I totally respect that. And I think that is awesome. Sometimes I wish you had a store so I could just <laughs> <laughs> buy whatever we want, but I totally respect that. And I think that you're exactly right. If you really started making this something where you're like, now you're, it, the demand is so high that you have to keep up with mm -hmm. that a lot of times that's where people do lose their passion. Right. And it just becomes a burden. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, your, your comfort food. So you have a brookie that is killer. We are like always on the list for the brookie. <laughs> that's one of our family, collectively our family's favorites. I've never been a huge chocolate chip cookie fan, but I love your chocolate chip cookies. And then and these um, are the small ones, right? The ones yes. from Market Wagon. Yeah. yeah. Now, I saw that you're doing. I like just started making a new one. Yeah, that's not dairy free. The ones that you get are dairy free. Mm -hmm. These are supposed to be. I sort of created these as an homage to. I don't know if you've heard of Levan Bakery in New York City. No. It's L E. Oh my God, you have to Google it. It's L E V A I N, and they make the most delicious, big, fat, like like soft underbaked on the inside and then oh. lightly browned and crunchy oh on the outside. They're so good. So I was like, I've got to figure out how to make a keto. <laughs> One oh. of these. Cookies. So that's the new ones are kind of like um, big and fat and I bake mm -hmm. them at a really high temperature. So the outside gets kind of brown and the inside oh. is a little bit gooier. So anyway, those are the new cookies, but those do have butter. So they're not dairy free. <laughs> oh, I cannot, I've got to try this. I haven't yes. seen those offered on the market wagon. So they're not on market wagon right now. Maybe at some point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to have to keep watching for that. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely do I actually get to make it to any of the shops where you yeah. put your, yeah, they'll stuff. be delivered to harvest market <laughs> this weekend. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so that is, that sounds amazing. That one looks amazing. And then one of our, um, your, the, you make a coffee cake that is uh -huh. 
I can't even believe, like literally that's the one where I was like, no way. <laughs> and that's paleo too. That's low, that's no dairy. That yeah. is so good. It's amazing. And the scones. So, yeah. so like those, I would say are the four of our family's favorites. Like collectively, everybody enjoys those. My husband and son love, um, I think you, we got it from the harvest market. They did the, um, you had a blueberry, maybe it was like a blueberry crumb cake or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they love yep. that. So yeah. that for good. But I mean, we haven't had anything that we haven't just loved. I mean, well, you. and you have such a good variety. I've seen you have like yeah. Nutella brownies it's, or something. And I know it's the ADD in me. Like I cannot, I, that's why I don't, I, I mean, that's, and that's also why I love doing the markets and the coffee shops and not having a, a set menu because I really have the free freedom to be creative and change things up. None of the coffee shops that I deliver to and um, Market Wagon and Harvest Market they are so great to work with and they're all about like hey what do you have new this week or what do you want to try or so i never feel confined and i never feel like i have to make the same thing over and over and over again if something's really popular we'll keep doing it but i'm always able to change things up and try something new and i i love doing that and i hope it doesn't confuse people because they they sometimes are like wait you had this last week i thought you'd have it again but yeah no i'm i'm all about just i don't want to get stuck so yeah. Well, that's what yeah. keeps you doing this, right? I mean, that's what keeps you having, cause you're having fun right. and you're getting to kind of experiment, have a little bit of fun. And then, Hey, people are kind of helping to pay for the ingredients <laughs> that I right. know you are putting a lot of money yeah. into all these ingredients, expensive, I which I apologize. The baked goods are so expensive, but it's an you expensive way to bake. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I, I know how expensive it is to bake like yeah. that. I am, I'm not a baker like you are, but, um, but I've always enjoyed cooking and baking. And I do a lot of like, you're saying, I'll try to dissect a recipe or not even a recipe, but something that I had somewhere. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> and right. then that's so much fun to do that. Yeah. But, it's oh expensive. The ingredients are expensive. And then if you yes. try and use real clean ingredients, like organic ingredients, yes. it's even more expensive. And that's important to me. Not all of my ingredients are organic, but I try right. by organic whenever I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially for the ingredients that I feel are more important to use mm -hmm. organic. So that drives the price up too. So if that's yeah. not important to you, then you might feel like you're spending a lot of money. But. <laughs> I think on the, I think the other side of that too, or what I've noticed since, um, you know, we've been, well, I have been um, keto for a little over three years now. And I know that um, eating, you know, eating um, well, and it was paleo before that. And so I'm no stranger to like expensive ingredients and, and yeah. really you get what you pay for. I mean, so trying to keep those ingredients that are that are helpful for me and don't have all these added things that I don't want to eat um, is important to me. And so I, you know, I realized that that stuff costs more money. And honestly, I feel like you're going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. Right. So you either put the good quality, real food ingredients in your body now, or you, there are lots of alternatives that you can get if you want to be low carb or sugar free. You can right. buy plenty of prepackaged junk mm -hmm. that people think is like, oh, it's healthy because I bought it at Whole Foods and it said right. sugar-free on it. And right. that is not the truth. <laughs> exactly. And I pay as much attention to ingredients as I do to the carb counts. That's just how I live. So that's how I bake. Yeah. Um, so yeah, none of important. stuff has like, you know, and even in some keto baking, they use a lot of um, like whey powder and I avoid that. And so yeah. I mean, honestly, my ingredients are pretty clean too. So. I can tell because I don't have, there are some um, bakeries or some keto dessert type things that I'll have 
and, and you'll get digestive upset. And I never get any kind of anything with your treats. They're just, they're Yay. just perfect. So <laughs> I feel like it's, that's a really good, and none of my family does. Like I, I as a matter of fact, I offered my son something the other day. Um, he was looking for something. I said, why don't you have this? And he goes, oh, I don't really want to have that. Cause then sometimes my stomach gets upset and he, mm -hmm. and he reached in the freezer because we don't eat your treats fast enough. So we freeze them. <laughs> yeah. So he reached in the freezer and grabbed one of your cookies out and he's like, I'll eat this. So oh, even okay. he knows that your treats don't bother Aren't him. Gonna bother him. Yeah. yeah. But we, you know, we do, they, you know, they can tend to be expensive, especially if somebody's not used to, to trying to eat more healthfully. Um, but I also think that when you're doing this and you kind of get out of the, um, sugar addiction and eating all these treats all the time, you don't need that many, like we need less, right? We need less. Like we, I never eat an entire brookie, like ever, right. like I can't right. do it. They're so either. good, but you just, yeah. so we break right. them in half and we freeze them and then yeah. we'll just get a half of them out. And then often we'll even split that half between a couple of us. We're like, yeah, we're a couple bites. Couple bites so, yeah. yeah. So that you know, however much that package of brookies cost, we didn't eat that in a week or right. four days. We ate that yeah. over a long period of time. Right. So right. it definitely yeah. more economically makes sense. Yeah. And the ingredients, if you're, I mean, if you're not a baker and you're just going to bake once every three months, then you're buying all these ingredients that you're going to use yeah. once. And the almond flour goes rancid if you don't use it within a certain time. So it's just like, you know, yeah. It's expensive no matter how you look at it. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, and I just am so happy that I found you um, and that you're local. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do have plenty of local people that listen to this podcast. Um, and and people, I know there's there's people all over um, the world listening to this. And you don't currently ship, correct? It's only local. That's correct. I don't. I've gotten lots and lots of requests. So I don't know if I'm going to look into it someday, but I'm sure that's a whole other like ball of wax that I haven't even looked into it. I'm sure there's all kinds of regulations. Yeah. And well, just, and you, you sell out like every week. So I do. Not, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I mean, you have to spend so much more time baking. Right. It would increase the workload a lot. And to be honest, uh, in the summers, I have more time because I'm off work, but during my school year, I just, I can't, I just can't add on it anymore without, you know, I've thought about, well, should I get a commercial kitchen or should I hire somebody? And I've hired people here and there to help me out. But, um, but it's just, I'm a control freak and I like to do it myself. <laughs> and sometimes it's harder to train somebody to do it than just doing it yourself. Totally. So, um, you know, I ha I've hired a delivery driver to help me with that. So I try and find people to help where I can and where I'm willing to let them help. <laughs> Yeah. But I just would prefer to do all the baking by myself. Um, mm -hmm. So commercial kitchen, maybe some at some point I've thought about that. Right now I'm just baking in my own kitchen. Um, but, you know, I'm keeping it manageable and small enough right now that I can really focus on what I'm doing and I can, I can manage it all on my own. So we'll That's see what good. happens. Yeah. So if somebody's interested um, locally in finding out more about you and how they can get your treats, where would they go? So um, I have a website and mm -hmm. it's www.beyondbakery.com and on there it lists the retail locations that um, I sell at and then also Market Wagon, but it doesn't list the days that I deliver there or that baked goods are delivered there. So um, I can just give you a quick rundown. Mm -hmm. We delivered to Cavu Coffee in Westchester on Mondays, Block Coffee in the Incline District in Price Hill on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. Urbana Cafe, um, they have three locations, one in Pendleton, one in Walnut Hills, and one at the Scripps Center downtown. 
deliver there on Thursdays, although the script center I think is gonna be switching to Mondays. So be on the lookout, I'll post about that. Um, and then Harvest Market is on Fridays. Uh -huh. um, and then Market Wagon, which is an online farmer's market delivery service. They do delivery for a small fee or they have free pickup locations uh -huh. and you can order some of um, the baked goods through them as well. Yeah. And so listeners, if you guys are um, interested in learning more about Market Wagon, you can actually download the app on your phone. And um, that is how I get Jessica's goodies um, as I do the Market Wagon orders and they deliver um, right up the street. I literally, I live off of Branch Hill Guinea. And so they deliver to the Bigby Coffee um, up there on the corner of Branch Hill Guinea. And well, it's actually not on the corner, but it's real close to the Branch Hill Guinea and um, Ward's Corner intersection. Mm -hmm. So um, those of you that are interested in that kind of um, getting those locally, you can pick them up that way and that's free. And it's awesome. You go in and grab a coffee and uh, grab your treats. <laughs> yeah. So this has been so nice to talk to you, Jessica. And I really appreciate you taking the time just to talk a little bit about this. And um, I'm definitely one of those nutritionists that, um, especially in the keto world, there's there seems to be these polarizing opposites of either you eat everything, you know, low carb, and you 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 do perfection. You don't try to bring in any. Um, sweets or anything like that. And then there's the other side of us who is where I fall, which is more like, listen, don't, you don't have to give up everything. You gotta live. You, you gotta live. <laughs> still be healthy and treat your body well and right. everything can function properly and you can still enjoy some treats and sweet right. every now and then. I don't, I don't think it's maybe something you have to have every day, but exactly. still enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I love being able to share people like you that are making that a reality for people. That yeah. I mean, listen, we, we, we can incorporate anything into a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet. We have to live. And you, I just, you know, if I had found out that I was diagnosed with this disease and I was going to have to give up everything I loved mm -hmm. and I I've given up so, so, so much. So if there's a way that I can still eat desserts and incorporate that into my life and, and still, you know, keep my, diseases in check, then why not? We have to Absolutely. be able to love life. <laughs> yes, we do. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So this has been awesome. I thank, yeah, you, thank you so, so much. much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.